Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is June 30th, 2020, which means I am on day 199 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. The first thing I got to talk about today, folks, is a creepy and freaky thing that was brought to my attention by Micah Pivarnik, a good friend of mine. Now, if you have an Android phone like me, I'm not sure about the iPhones, but if you have an Android phone and you go to your settings and then you go to Google settings, the first thing that'll pop up is the COVID-19 tracker, which was automatically updated to all phones, including iPhones in a different spot though so that no matter where you go the government can track you and find out if you've been in an area that has a high amount of cases of covid and then someday when you're not looking jump out of a alleyway and take you away to quarantine because they believe you might have the virus this is absolutely bonkers i mean now we're fully being tracked like with everything we do In fact, as soon as you turn on your Bluetooth, the message is spread. You know, every every time you go anywhere, a ping gets sent to this, I guess, giant computer system that tells, you know, the government, whoever. I mean, who's even watching this? Like, who's listening to this? I don't know. But either way, it gets sent to somewhere where it tracks your every move and it decides whether or not you're a threat. You know, like what? What crazy new age crap is this? I mean, I didn't expect this to happen until like microchips were installed in people's skin automatically when they were born at a hospital. But now they are already using our phone. I knew they tracked you with your phone already. I knew they are able to look at your internet browser history. They're able to look up any text message you've ever sent because it goes into a giant vault of text messages that never really get deleted. I know that anything you post on Facebook and all these other social media sites can be tracked, but now they can literally track your every move at any given time with this COVID-19 tracker update. Now take a look once again, if you have an Android phone, go into your settings and then go to Google settings and you'll see it right there at the top. I ain't lying about this. This is sketch. We are all being watched now. I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, you know, because I've always made fun of them. But it's time to break out your tinfoil hats, ladies and gentlemen, because they're on to us. Now, I sort of knew this was happening, but at least we we got the final word that Netflix has renewed Ozark for its fourth and final season. And I cannot freaking wait I waited way too long to start that show, and then I got so into it, I watched all three seasons in like a month. I mean, this show is intense. It's the new Breaking Bad is what it is. It's about drugs and violence and happy home life. It's weird to mix all three, but Breaking Bad did it. So did Ozark. The major difference with this is, obviously, it's... You know, setting is the Ozarks in Missouri. 
Whereas the setting of Breaking Bad was in New Mexico. Dry, desert. You know, you can get lost out there, start hallucinating, seeing mirages and things that aren't really there because you're so tired and thirsty. With the Missouri Ozarks, you know, there's a lot of water around. So you can drown or dead bodies can be dumped into these various lakes surrounding the area. Or there's a lot of white trash stuff that happens there, like really white trash stuff, which, you know, kind of makes things interesting. And I got to say, if you've never watched it, give it a shot. Do it now. It's the best time because obviously I just said Netflix has decided to renew Ozark for its fourth and final season. I, I mean, I was skeptical too. I didn't think Jason Bateman in a drama would be good. You know, he brings a little bit of his comedy to the character, just a teeny bit. But I prefer him in a comedy type setting no matter what. I loved him in Office Christmas Party and basically everything he's done that's funny. But, you know, I, I also love him in this. And he's a co-creator of the show or executive producer. So, you know, he had a plan in mind and he fulfilled it. And his plan was to prove to everyone that he can create and star in a show that doesn't have to be a comedy and make us all entertain. And it has happened. Congratulations to you, Ozark. I can't wait for the fourth and final season. It will surely be insane. One of the things I seriously love about doing my podcast in my vehicle, in my front yard, is obviously avoiding the screaming of my children. There's no way in my house anywhere. If I created a studio with a sealed soundproof door, it wouldn't matter. My kids would come in, they would go crazy, my dog would bark, something would happen. So I do it in my vehicle, in my front carport. That's what I'm doing right now. And one of the reasons I love doing it like this is because I get to scare the ever-loving shit out of people who come to my house to either deliver something or, you know, sell something. And right now, as we speak, I just got done scaring the living shit out of this guy who showed up right now to give me a cheaper deal on my electricity bill by taking away the tier system of kilowatt hours usage and all that and switching it to a flat rate. He showed up to my door, you know, because nobody looks in a car when they're going up to somebody's front door. My front door, you know, it's the opposite way of my vehicle and the carport that is that where is where my vehicle's parked in. And so, they, you know, they have their head turned and they just go straight to the front door and they knock and then they wait at the front door. And then I opened my car door and he jumped. <laughs> he did not know what was happening and it was awesome. And then he was like, why the hell are you just sitting in your car in your front yard, man? And I'm like... I'm recording a podcast, so, you know, hey, hey perhaps he'll listen to it one day. But uh, either way, that is one of the things I love about this. It's fun to scare the shit out of people. It just is, especially if they're here to sell me on something or whatever, because, you know, it's kind of an icebreaker as well as the fact that I usually don't buy into anything that people are selling door to door. But, hey, I will hear them out no matter what, unless it's a religious thing and they're at my door like seeking out Ashley because of the one time she went to a Mormon church when she was seven and somehow they still have her information and they follow her from house to house and ask her if she'll be returning to the church after what, 27 years? I don't think so.
An expert on food is now saying that a cup of beans a day could add around four years of extra life to your longevity. Now, I'm not really sure that that counts if you eat refried beans like I do in a big giant burrito, or if you make slow-simmered pit beans with big hunks of candied bacon and brisket in there. But I will say, it sounds great because I like beans, but I mean, if they come out of a can, are they really going to help you live longer? Maybe it's the preservatives in the can that are increasing your life expectancy because it's just preserving your body. And I, I don't know, maybe all the cells in your body are actually being preserved as if you were already dead and they coated you with embalming fluid. Regardless, knowing that beans can add four years to your life just makes me want to eat them even more. We already know they're good for your heart, and the more you eat, the more you fart. The more you fart, the better you feel. And beans, beans, let's have them once a day, but not really for every meal. I mean, every meal? I can't do it. That's too much. I don't love them that much. You know, there's one thing I can eat for every meal, and that's probably cheese incorporated in some way, bacon for sure, but beans in every meal, I'm not certain about that. Not to mention, I just don't have a variety of beans that wide. But if you ever wondered why a little old Mexican lady can live sometimes to be like 70 or 80 years old, and you're wondering like, what is in your diet that's keeping you going? Well, perhaps it's the, you know, one batch of beans a day. Because you know she's eating some pintos, or she's taking down, I'm not sure about dark kidney beans or anything like that, but you know she's eating some pinto. Or some red beans. And you know what? I might just take after that old lady. Because I need to add a couple years to my life. I've taken off so many and shaved it down. With all the other crap I've done. Folks, it's time to eat some beans. Any Star Wars fans out there? I'm one. I love Star Wars. I, you know, Except for the latest three. We're obviously a blemish in the career and timeline of the George Lucas films and all the actors and actresses who worked so hard to make, you know, especially the original three so great, being, you know, the Star Wars A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi, all so great, so epic, and the three that in the timeline were prior to those but actually came out in the 90s and 2000s, were not fantastic. You know, we're uh, just not great either. But the three that most recently came out have been under scrutiny, like severe scrutiny about how bad they truly are and how they just don't fit the capability of what they knew they could have done for the new Star Wars movies. And they're just all over the place with Han Solo walking into a lightsaber and dying, and, you know, Rey being a super Jedi, even though she's just a nobody and makes no sense, and just stupid things like that that are meaningless and don't make sense in the timeline of Star Wars. Well, there's a leak recently that just came out saying that all three of those movies 
will be wiped out of the Star Wars timeline completely with something called the Veil of Mirrors. Yes. Now, apparently, Emperor Palpatine, when he was thrown into basically a pit of despair by Darth Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi, he used all his Dark Force powers and went into something called the Veil of Mirrors where you can just jump into an alternate universe, basically. It's where all timelines collide, and you can pick and choose which universe you want to enter into, and it's basically like the MCU or the DCEU's multiverse option, where there's different universes going on at different timelines with different people, and different things are happening. So, with that being said, apparently Palpatine, in this new version of the Star Wars, which will basically make the th three that have recently come out obsolete by wiping them away from the timeline, will portray Palpatine going into this veil of mirrors like he did to save himself, because we all wonder how did he escape that basically pit of despair that he was thrown into in the Death Star by Darth Vader. How did he escape? Well, he went into this veil of mirrors, or basically this alternate universe state, where he just decided when he came back, and that's how he was still somewhat alive, although most of his power had been drained. Either way, now they're going to say that when he goes in there, somebody's going to be waiting on the other side to destroy him anyways, which will take Emperor Palpatine out of the picture completely, which will stop any of the events from unfolding leading to Rey and the rise of the Skywalker and Force Awakens and all that garbage, and instead, open up the option for a whole new set of movies that actually link up to the original timeline of the Star Wars trilogy that first came about in the 70s and 80s. And that will allow them to revamp the franchise, redo the last three movies in a way that they deem ten times better, and render the latest three completely obsolete once again. So I think that's a fantastic idea because now you can fix your mistakes. A lot of people hated the last three Star Wars that just recently came out. Hated them. In fact, some people boycotted them. Although they made a ton of money because everybody wanted to see what these, you know, hard work and all this effort and these new actors, you know, coming together for these Star Wars films. And you know what? I liked Poe. I liked him. He's a great a great character, maybe bring him in anyways, but some of them are garbage, like Ray. really, Ray is the main, she's not even like, she's not even physically fit, she's like a skinny, just worthless chick, who just becomes the best Jedi, and the most powerful being, basically in all of the universe, I don't believe it, I don't like it, get rid of it, you know, I in fact actually like the main character, from Star Wars Rogue One, a Star Wars story, much better. I don't even remember that girl's name, but she had, you know, cute little accent with kind of not perfect teeth, and, you know, if she was a great actress, she would have been a better Ray. Either way, all I know is sources are saying that they're going to wipe the most recent three Star Wars out of the timeline with the use of this veil of mirrors, you know, ancient, a Sith 
you know, Sith powers and Sith magic that had been used for ancient times to create this veil of mirrors that allows the Sith to travel through inner dimensions and other things like that. And I say that the use of this to change the timeline is brilliant. I hope they get it done. I can't wait. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast. We all absolutely can't wait to hear every day, I'm certain, and that is Real Stories brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankst, a schmuck, I'm kidding, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. Today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about when. When I found out my gramps, yes, my last remaining grandparent who's still alive, was obsessed with knives. Now, I already knew a little bit about his knife-buying fiascos. I mean, this guy would buy a knife wherever he went, every single day, a knife. But, you know, I didn't really think it was to the extent as at which it is. He buys so many knives. To this day, he's still buying them. He's, barely, he's, he's like barely alive. He's still buying knives. And he bought so many that one day when he decided to move out of his home and into a place where there's caretakers that can watch over him and his wife. They're very old. They're very frail. And, you know, he moved out of his home and he needed our family to help him move some stuff. And his son was, you know, his only actual son because he had three daughters and one son. His son was to receive the knives that he had, which he had already given a ton of knives to his son over the years for whatever occasion, birthdays, family events, things like that. But he had no clue what was about to happen. So he gets to his house to see the knives, you know, how many knives there are. Well, I mean, I don't even know that he went there, but his daughters who live in the same state, because his son lives in Oregon, his daughters live down here in Southern California near him, and they, they went to his house to see the amount of knives that he had, just to see, you know, like, is it a, a reasonable amount of knives? Can we ship them? What? It's not a reasonable amount of knives. I mean, if you've ever seen those big, giant black bins with a yellow top, storage bins, right? They're huge. They're maybe three or four feet long and at least two feet, if not three wide. They're giant. They can fit a lot of stuff. There was like seven of those full of different knives. I'm talking like a thousand knives here, people. Unopened, in the boxes, never used, all different kinds, some the same exact model with 50 of them. Like he bought a box of the same knives. There's machetes, there's saws, I'm talking there's spears in here. A spear. There is so many knives. I expect he was waiting for like a massive knife war to break out where somehow all guns were dismantled and only knives were allowed and he became the overlord of the entire world because he owned the majority of the knives. I mean, I don't know what he was waiting for and what he was doing, but with all these knives, they became overwhelmed, right? There was too many of them. They didn't know what to do. So they decided to let the family come around and snag a knife or two. Take a knife, you know. Everybody gets one, two knives, whatever. Maybe three or four, whatever you want. Just take a knife or two. And the remaining of them would be sold somehow, some way. 
and they would appoint my own mother as the person to sell them because she's very savvy online. She does a lot of online work. She has her own little side businesses, things like that. So she'd be the one to do it. So after, you know, maybe months and months of her sitting on these knives, doing nothing because she wasn't sure if she could even sell knives legally online, I became the one who stepped up and decided to start slanging these knives and I've been putting them on eBay and I've been looking at the prices of these knives. Like, I'm talking about a little Smith & Wesson Extreme Ops handheld 440 pocket knife, right? And it looks like on the price tag of the knife, of the box itself, my Gramps paid $59.99. So let's say that's the average price he paid for a knife out of these over 1,000 knives. I'm telling you, a 1,000 of them which means he probably spent, at the very least, over $50,000 on knives in his lifetime. Now, I've tried to think, you know, mathematically, how much I've spent on knives. I've probably spent maybe 100 bucks on knives in the past 10 years, just to have like some decent kitchen kitchen knives that I can cut stuff with. Maybe 200 bucks because I have a, a business where I cut meat and things like that because I have a, a, a mobile food restaurant. But this guy, in like not even that many years, has spent over 50000 that I know of on knives, but this isn't even adding up the ones that he's given away over the years, which is probably another 1000 which puts him up to about $100,000 in knife money spent. And I just think, now as he has, you know, slowly come to a point where he's so old and frail, he needs to be taken care of, he's on the edge of being bankrupt. He ain't got much money left. In fact, when he p passes away, I hope that doesn't happen soon, I love the guy, but when he does, he'll basically be at, at absolute zero. No debt for anyone else to pay for him, good, but no money left to his children, that sucks. But there is a whole bunch of knives. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll just sell these knives. If a knife says $59.99, I can sell the knife for maybe 40 bucks, right? False. Because of the access the internet has given people to knives around the world from everywhere, including knife dealers that like, you know, their shop shuts down and they just have to get rid of bulk inventory. A knife that's $59.99 when you purchase it from Big Five like he did, becomes 10 bucks online because you got to think about the fact that people are going to pay five, 10 bucks for shipping. So they're going to pay a total of 20, which means for 10 bucks, I'm selling a $60 knife and he has lost like a ton of money off of this, like an insane amount of money. So the lesson to be learned here in this real story is brought to you by Peter Timothy Hanks on the Peter Gavitt podcast is... Do not spend your life savings on worthless knives that you're never going to use, that have seriously not even be opened, that your grandson will then sell on eBay and make no money. That sucks. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I hope you have a fantastic day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, folks, in honor of... Knives, there's a song called Fast Cars, Danger Firing Knives by Aesop Rock.
Chips, rassle the fangs off of my fists. Let a little soldier blood over the ogre acres. On some holiday in Cambodia with motorhome appraisers. Pagans fade into the coat of chrome now. Later, whittle it to brown staple. Revisit the cobra loading zone. Lawler foaming, but he hold his own wound. Quarterized by the zippo, he had stole that afternoon. And my dog tags jingle by the monster island horny pill. Grew up with a jug head crown tilt and tardy slip. Feel you can be, he's never soothed us. Nope, you lost me in that part about scrubbing piss with a toothbrush. Holler scum's lullaby. Live from the ultra fly. Sham city bunker where the coldest cults multiply. Alarmingly hushed little baby time out. The black market mockingbirds cannot sing a lick. But lean to peck your eyes out of commission. With love and a tradition of race. Pick on the visions that buzz. Bit on the kittens escape. Sort of the piston to pump. Got a veteran amplifier uh, and magnified through the same lens that set the ants on fire. Flush them up at Newton and he hook a fancy honor circuit. When the circles, every duke is clammy. Trooper scoop the food and pantry. And he got stupid, made illusion, fit him off the candy. And try the gold out of his tooth when lambing. Pocket all you can now. Block or leave the lambs down to the cold cutlery outfit. Slaughter beef and captain. Pour the chief some fountain soda. Martyr prone to pen the holy opus. And pry this monkey off the scoliosis like. Bazooka to Gemini, I came to break bread. I'll tell them fast cars, danger, fire, and knives. Let's go. Danger, fire, and knives. Fast cars, danger, fire, and knives. Fast cars, danger, fire, and knives. I got her majesty up here, riding shot of wire. Yeah, motherfuckers, it ain't even over. It ain't even over. Hold tight, baby boy. We just getting started. My man ain't struggling with the like every other week, these hipster tabloids jumping on and off my sex pistols bullets. Like every other week, he spins the bottle. Like every other week, these fucking fanzines forget if they spit or swallow. Too bad your inner sheep never forgets to follow. Cause my inner greed to feed your hate for loving us is hostile. Fortunate for me, it coincides with what comes natural. So the mongrels that I run with turn the fuck you in a fast food like a little freak. Sick of the three o'clock bully knuckle dust nurse in his last shiner finds the shoebox in his mother's truck. Tomorrow's extracurricular punching bag will finger daddy's widow maker out a brown lunch bag. Bang! This is where the hunchback snake will peddlers stuck under the burgundy sky of spaghetti westerns tend to bubble up. Weathermen huddle up. Today the son of one too many yes sirs. Kings is checkers. Watch the devil jump. Back with a platter of hot leeches that'll drink up every bloody drop down to the last diseases. It's Twister, defender of the son of Vaughn Bode's cheech wizard. I used to pray the treatments got easier with my aging. Yeah. Like serotonin weekends was merely comedic hazing. Yeah. Wrong, but along as travels located the key to world peace. <laughs> cool with that? Cool bang. You cool hang. You know a uh, bang? Cool. Sorry, dog. Rules are rules. Too long have I followed yours. I'm trying to get them years back and walk through every cipher with dynamite in a beer hat. <laughs> Bazooka Tooth Kruger, I came to break bread. I'll tell them fast cars, danger, fire, and knives. It's good. 
Yeah, yeah. 